With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hard In My Take, the number one podcast on the dreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner here, and today we have a microscope. We have a microscope, Michael Brown. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. It's a very high-powered microscope. I would say it's uh, the best of the best. It's the microball microscope. I like it. And what are we putting this microscope under today? <laughs> Our first four candidates uh, that we are going to more heavily break down of potential next head coaching or head coach uh, <clears throat> of our beloved Houston Rockets, diving deeper into what they bring to the table and how good of a fit they will be for the Rockets franchise. Yes. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, we, Mike and I, we – kind of just spitballed a whole bunch of different names that the Rockets could potentially be interested in for the head coaching position. And we have this feeling that this position, the vacancy, will be filled pretty soon. So we've identified eight different candidates that we think have a legitimate shot, whether they've already been interviewed, have been heavily rumored. And those eight candidates in alphabetical order are Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell, John Lucas, Tyron Liu, Stephen Silas, Wes Unsell Jr., Jeff Van Gundy, and David Vanterpool. So for these next two episodes, we're going to use that microball microscope, and we're going to put these eight potential candidates under that microscope to figure out what would make the best possible guy for the job. So today we're going to discuss the first four on our list alphabetically, Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell, John Lucas, Ty Lu, and then on our next episode which should come out Monday, granted as long as the position isn't filled by then, which who knows, at this point it could very well be already filled by then, but in case it hasn't, we will look at Steven Silas, Wes Unsell Jr., Jeff Van Gundy, and David Vanterpool. But let's start tonight at the top of the alphabet with Kenny Atkinson, who interviewed for the position uh, on Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. should come out on Thursday. So yesterday, 
He interviewed for the Rockets' head coaching job. On a scale of 1 to 10, Mike, how excited are you about this? Four. Four. Yeah. Kenny Atkinson's like, he's four. He's like a five. Like, he's he's okay. Like, he doesn't wow you, but he isn't. He's someone that we need to at least acknowledge as a potential candidate here. Yeah, we do. There's there's some benefit benefits that I like about Atkinson. Um, you know, he he's like a he's like a dish at Cheesecake Factory where like you order chicken alfredo at Cheesecake Factory. Like it's good, but is it great? No, it's satisfactory. Hey, it's saddest Cheesecake Factory. Right. I mean, Cheesecake Factory sucks, but that's... Really? Yeah, it's awful. I haven't been there. Like, not even their cheesecake. It's okay. I mean, if you're going to get cheesecake in the city of Houston, you go to Kenny and Ziggy's. That's true. Uh, I think this is like the third plug I've had for Kenny and Ziggy's while doing... (laughs) We need to do an episode from Kenny and Ziggy's. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Uh, one One of the major knocks I'm hearing on him is that he lost... KD and Kyrie. Well, he isn't the first coach that that would happen to, and he's not going to be the last. I don't think that's as big of a deal as people think. One one thing that I've thought about, like the perfect coaching candidate for me, has to reinvigorate the fan base. And I say that because the Houston Texans are going something going through something similar when they fired O'Brien and JJ Watt came out and was basically like. We've lost connection to our fan base. I feel like Rockets fans are similar. I don't think it's as as big as the Texans and O'Brien and their fan base, but the Rockets fan base just feels dead to me. And it's felt that way for me for a while. And I want to know what you think about that. But to me, if you say the Rockets hired Kenny Atkinson, then the typical fan is going to say, who? Like, what? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I get where you're coming from. I think that Kenny Atkinson is the safe hire. Now, four years ago, when the Rockets were in this very position looking for a new head coach, to me, Mike D'Antoni was kind of an unpopular opinion, but he's obviously the one that came on, and he was the right man for the job. I think that out of everyone, Mike D'Antoni was the right guy, and I remember the Rockets were looking for more of a defensive head coach because Mikhail was very offensive oriented and they needed a change. So they wanted a more defensive minded coach, but they kind of doubled down on the offense and that kind of rubbed fan. It didn't rub fans the wrong way, but fans were kind of perplexed by the move. And I think that if Kenny Atkinson is hired, that's going to be a very similar uh, response. And yes, Kenny Atkinson is not a household name to most Houstonian households. He is he's only had one head coaching stint, and that was with Brooklyn for the past four years. He was hired in Brooklyn to be a rebuilder, a rebuilding coach. And he was able to do that with Brooklyn and at least hold them off until they were able to buy their way into contention which they've done so with KD and Kyrie. And I feel like Atkinson, when that happened, kind of lost his place. And 
Kyrie and Katie weren't thrilled about Atkins. Like, they didn't go to Brooklyn because they want to play for Kenny Atkins. You can tell with their hire of Steve Nash that they had a say in that. And I don't see James Harden and Russell Westbrook being like, yeah, let's go get Kenny Atkinson. The one positive, the one reason that I think Kenny Atkinson would make a lot of sense, there's actually two. Number one, he's worked with the Rockets before. He was with the Rockets uh, in 2007-2008 as the director of player development. Uh, so he's worked with Daryl Morey before. And I think that is what benefits him. And that's if if he's hired as the head coach, I think that will be a big reason why. Because he has that relationship, that pre-existing relationship with Daryl Morey. But also, I remember every time the Nets played the Rockets in the last three or so years every time on the broadcast it's wow Kenny Atkinson is pulling a page out of D'Antoni's playbook he loves to you know base his offense around the three-pointer which if the Rockets want to continue in that direction Kenny Atkinson is a good driver for that but like you mentioned Mike this isn't a hire that's going to reinvigorate the fan base. It's not something that's going to wow players. I think Kenny Atkinson is respected, but I think he has yet to show success with the contending team. And I think that's what this team needs. It doesn't need a coach that is a rebuilder. Because this team is not in rebuild mode. This team is in win-now mode. I would like to see a coach that has experience with win-now teams mm -hmm. yeah he he doesn't have that um it just it's not a name that makes me go "Ooh, they're interviewing him <laughs> so like you said, he's a four he's a four or five yeah he's a four or five i think i could grow into liking him at some point but uh, the steve nash hiring in brooklyn now makes a lot more sense because of things that Kyrie has said over the past week or so. Um, I get that higher a lot more now. Um, there's just not a lot here for me. I mean, there's not a, you know, there, there's, there's a tie to the organization with Daryl, you know, they've worked together before. Okay. That's, that's fine. Um, but like I we've already said it, I think it's, it's a four or five, a name, Certainly to look out for. I don't think much comes of it, ultimately. He's too similar to D'Antoni, in my opinion. He's very D'Antoni-esque. But the D'Antoni hire at least had me intrigued at the time of the hire. You know, yeah. he had name recognition. I think Act Atkinson has name recognition, but not Mike D'Antoni type of... Mike D'Antoni had success in the playoffs with contenders. Correct. Atkinson doesn't have that. Ironically, he had the same success that he had in Phoenix with the Rockets. Yes. But I, I think this job's probably a little bit too big for Atkinson. I don't, I don't know how well he would do here. I think he's probably better suited for a team like, like New Orleans, uh, realistically. Uh, a younger team. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because I think what happened in Brooklyn was he just didn't buy in to what the Nets were going to turn into. And he has to buy into what we're doing in Houston. And there, there's just a lot of doubt there. 
So, but I mean, look, in. and all eight of the guys that we're going to profile are very qualified. They are extremely qualified. And I w- honestly, I wouldn't hate any of these hires, mainly because I trust Daryl Morey and I trust that he's going to pick the right guy for the team. So I'm not going to hate any of these hires. I, I'd be very shocked if it wasn't any of these eight guys. If I had to say the likelihood of it being Atkinson out of the eight guys that we have, he's probably number seven or number eight. Watch him be hired tomorrow, though, because he just interviewed for the position. So we're probably going to get some, you know, tweet from Shans that's like, oh, Kenny Atkinson is in agreement to become the coach. Uh, watch that happen at like 2.30 on Thursday or something see, ridiculous. See, I'm actually – and this is why I'm, we work so well together – is because I, I'm the opposite. Of these names, there's probably only two or three that really get me excited. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look well, at names, and I'm not going to give you those. I'll give them to you as, as we go along. But there are names on this list that I look at and I go, no, no. Not that they won't be good fits, but just won't get me – Pumped, won't get me excited, won't get me. I mean, I'm an excitable kind of guy, you know, bells and whistles, you know, get me going, you know, at certain times. I'm that kind of person, but a certain hire may not get me there. So. Well, I know based on previous episodes of Pardon My Take, and the listeners who have followed us through those episodes will know that Sam Cassell is. Oh. At the top of your list, and that's a great segue into our next candidate, Mr. Sam Cassell. So, bells and whistles, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Explain yes. why Sam Cassell does that for you, Mike. Because he's the perfect hire. Explain why. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know how much you wanted me to elaborate. Oh, it's like, we can elaborate it's like, on this now. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, time. it's like we're doing a podcast, so we, have, you know, we have to fill the <laughs> Um, Look. You, you can't undersell his ties to the organization, right? There are certain guys, and even as early as, as last night, I'm having a conversation with my buddies about, you know, who's more important to the, to the Rockets organization, you know, Tracy McGrady or, or Sam Cassell. And for me, Sam Cassell, because the guys on the 94 and the 95 teams have a special place in all of Red Nation's heart, right? Vernon Maxwell, Sam Cassell, Matt Bullard, Dream, Clyde Drax, all these guys. So this is, that's the first part of this, is that he has the ties to the organization that you want. The second part is, it's not like Sam Cassell has been back here in Houston selling insurance for the past 10 years. He's been coaching mm-hmm. for a vast majority of that time. You know, he took he was, maybe like a year or two off in between his coaching career and his playing career. He retired in 2000. Or no, he never took a year off, actually. 2009, he retired. And in 2009, uh, that very next season, he was on a coaching staff in Washington. So he's been in the game since 1993, consistently in the NBA. Yeah. Hasn't taken a year off. This, this is what could be catastrophic. This is what could be the, the two drawbacks to Sam Cassell. Not could be, they are. One, no head coaching experience, which really doesn't 
get me as much as it does other people because let's be honest, Frank Vogel's coaching in the the Lakers who are up 3-1 in the NBA Finals, realistically, he doesn't do all that much coaching, I don't think. LeBron and AD coach. Lakers fans will disagree with you. Which is fine. I mean, they can disagree with me, and trust me, as I found out in the past six weeks, you know, that they don't have a very high opinion of me to begin with. It's true. Um, Which I could care less. But he doesn't do all that much coaching. And let's face it, James Harden and Russell Westbrook and P.J. Tucker and Covington and the guys that are veterans of this team are going to be do a vast a majority of the coaching on the court. So him not being a head coach before really doesn't get me. But one thing that I don't think pe- enough people are talking about is what the heck happened with the Clippers this year? Like, they were supposed to be title contenders, and yet they get – Beat in the second round by Denver? Yeah, and Doc Rivers paid the price. Well, Doc Rivers paid the price, but you also have to look at his top assistants in Ty Lue and Sam Cassell. I mean... Sam Cassell was part of two Clippers teams that had 3-1 leads and could not get the job done. Correct. Uh, shout out to Josh Smith, the GOAT. <laughs> um, but you know, you know what I mean by bringing that up? Like, what happened there? Why wasn't... Now, maybe Sam Cassell was trying to implement things that didn't work and, he, you know, he just wasn't being listened to by Kawhi or Paul George and anybody on that team. But the entire coaching staff has to come under scrutiny because of the fact that they couldn't get it done. Once again, not a huge deal, I don't think, but certainly something to look at if he does get an interview. And I'm hopeful that the Rockets are just keeping this under wraps, saying, you know, that they're going to interview Cassell one day. We're going to be like, oh, my God, is it happening? You know, that Michael Scott, you know, gif where it's like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm hopeful I can send out one of those and I hire him. What, I'm terrified that Ty Lue gets hired somewhere else and Sam Cassell will be the next head coach of the Clippers, which is why I think he hasn't been tied to anybody else yet because he's waiting out that situation. Like, if Ty Lue goes to the Pelicans, I would say it's almost a done deal that Cassell will be the next head coach of the Clippers. That's why I'm hoping Ty Lue gets hired with the Clippers and that frees Cassell up to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, with Cassell, obviously this when you talk about reinvigorating a fan base, this is the one that does it out of the eight the most because oh. of his ties to Houston. Yeah. And I will say this. I don't know how much blame you want to put on Sam Cassell with the fall from the Clippers in 2015 and in 2020. What I will say is this. In his coaching career, he's had, you know, he's had several positions in which he can mentor a point guard. And that is why I like Sam Cassell as a, as a guy and, you know, several... Several of these guys are point guards. Most, I think, majority of, you know, former players in the league that become head coaches are point guards because point guards see the whole floor. They're the quarterbacks of the basketball court. So that is why you tend to see former players who become head coaches, they're usually a point guard because they have that experience of seeing the floor in that perspective. And... You know, when he was in Boston, he was the backup for Rajon Rondo. 
and he was a mentor to him in Washington. And, and honestly, in, in Boston, Rondo didn't have his best years, but that was a huge part of their championship, I would say, was Rondo having to grow up really fast. And I think having Sam Cassell there really helped. And in Washington, John Wall's best years were with Sam Cassell as a part of his coaching staff. Chris Paul's best years were as member of the Clippers with Sam Cassell on his coaching staff. And I think that is what can be translated, hopefully, to Harden and or Westbrook, is having another point guard perspective in that group, in that coaching staff, is crucial. And that's the part about Sam Cassell that I think I like the most, is that he's seen so much of the game and he has that lens of a point guard that is so crucial to the Rockets' offense because the Rockets' offense goes through their point guard. It goes through Harden and it goes through Westbrook. And I think he can find a way... The the goal of the Rockets this year should be how to manage Harden and Westbrook and how to make them coexist. Because, to be honest... That has been the biggest, uh, that was the biggest um, downfall as to why the Rockets lost when they did. is because they were unable to get the best out of Harden and Westbrook together. And that's something that I think Sam Cassell might have an edge on over some of the other candidates. Is his perspective and his mindset when it comes to the two of them. Yeah, and to be fair to the to your last statement, yeah, I mean, I think they were they were going through a rough patch right before COVID shut down the the Rockets and, and Westbrook and Harden, but I think that they were going to be they were going to work themselves through it at that point, and Westbrook was just playing at an MVP level. Cassell would do great things for for Westbrook and Harden, and. I mean, we talked about the excitement level on an Atkinson being a four or a five. If I wake up to news tomorrow, you know, wake up. If I see news that Cassell is the next head coach of the Rockets, it's a 10. I, I can't under-exaggerate how big that would be. Yeah, you know. Like, Vernon Maxwell's going to Twitter at least twice I've seen. I wouldn't be shocked if it was more than twice. You know, make Houston clutch again. I would buy that shirt. I would buy into that hashtag. Like, don't be shocked if they hire Cassell to see Vernon Maxwell at practices, to see Mario Ellie at practices, to see, you know, Hakeem. Like, it's getting the band back together a little bit, but if Sam Cassell came in and had success, this is a guy who could be the next head coach of the Rockets for the next 10 to 15 years. That's a bold statement because the only person that's been, you know, a Rockets head coach at that tenure is is Rudy C. But that's the thing is that Cassell, I have no doubt that wherever he goes, he's going to be thankful. But if he gets a shot with a team that he's won multiple titles with, he would be a guy that would say, what job is better than this? Like, as long as the team's going to have me, I'm going to want to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't say the, the same for other candidates that they're looking at, 
Cassell, you would have to think that if he has success, he would want to be here. And that's what this team needs is ultimately D'Antoni didn't want to be here. D'Antoni, D'Antoni chickened out and said, oh, you know, Daryl didn't call me or Tillman didn't call me when I wanted. And he left on the flight home. That's so chicken. You know what? It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And he's no longer the coach. So I don't want to bash the guy. He seems like a nice guy. I met him once. He's great. But that's the most chicken you-know-what move to say, well, we just got destroyed. My sixth man thought it was more important to get a booty call than, you know, play for the team. I'm going to tell the guys I'm leaving the organization uh, on the plane ride home. It's weak. Sam Cassell, I don't believe, would have that sort of mentality. He'd be a lot more uh, loyal to Houston for what it's given him in the past. Yeah. And another thing about first-time head coaches, we have a few on this list. There are actually – Cassell is the first of four uh, first-time head coaches that the Rockets are looking at. And if we look at first-time head coaches, recently they've had a lot of success. Um, you look at Steve Kerr, first-time uh, – first-year head coach, won the NBA championship. You look at um, Ty Lu. Uh, another guy that won the NBA championship in the first year of his head coaching career. You look at um, Nick Nurse, another guy. That's, so that's three with, since 2015 that have had – those are the three coaches that have won a title since 2015, and they were that was their first head coaching job. Yeah. And I think it says something that we need to look into guys that are first-time head coaches because – as the game evolves, the, the coaches need to evolve with it. And look, and look, if the Heat were to win this title, Eric Spolstra would be on that list because Eric Spolstra's first head coaching job is still with the Heat. He's been with the Heat 25 years. But that's another, another thing to talk about later on a different episode, maybe even on a different podcast. But – we got to give some of these guys some uh, a shot. You know, I'm tired of the recycling of head coaches because ultimately if you don't evolve with the game, the game will leave you behind. And I think that's part of the reason why Mike D'Antoni did not claim that title in Houston was because he wasn't able to evolve. He, he was able to evolve the game, but in a way, he didn't evolve with the game. He kind of evolved at his own pace. And yeah. he almost he almost beat – he was able to beat to his drum a little too much, whereas he didn't necessarily follow the path of the game. And I think that Sam Cassell is someone that can do that. Well, one thing that – of the three coaches you just talked about, Steve Kerr did not put that team together. Mark Jackson did. Nick Nurse did not put that team together. Uh, Dwayne Casey did, but, but they but, were able to. They were able to tweak it. That's all that this Rockets team needs. This Rockets team is capable of winning a championship. We all know that, but they just need a, a tweak. That's all that it needs. And Sam Cassell, I think, is someone that can provide that tweak. Well, the tweak that 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 Nick Nurse got was Kawhi Leonard, which That's is also a, true. That's also true. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, which is a pretty good tweak. And for a vast majority of the success that Steve Kerr had, his name was Kevin Durant. Uh, not to say that Steve Kerr is not a good coach, because I do think he's a good coach. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, if I'm it was sorry. Nick Nurse, 
Yeah, so is Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is a, is a fantastic coach. Mm-hmm. But the, the I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. I'm tired of guys like Tom Thibodeau getting jobs. Like, we all know what Tom Thibodeau is going to do in New York. He's probably going to be there two years, and then they're going to get rid of him. So I'm with you. I'm not against the first-time head coach. It has to be the right one. Like, people don't – I don't think people are talking enough about this because I think the fan base is so disengaged with the Rockets for a multitude of reasons. But this, this hire is huge because you have two years left of Harden and Westbrook, and you have to get this right. You can't afford to hire the wrong guy because it's going to be catastrophic. And the next guy that we're going to talk about has the capability of being absolutely catastrophic. So I think we should get to him. Yes. Okay. Very, very different. Uh, Almost polar opposites. But let's get into our third candidate. We have John Lucas, uh, who is the only in-house hire of the eight that the Rockets have been rumored to seriously consider. And I'm not exactly sure if Lucas should be considered a serious candidate. I know that he has great relationships within the Rockets already, but to me, I'm not exactly sure how serious his candidacy candidacy really is. Yeah, so you're a Texans fan, right? Diehard Texans fan? Yes, I'll, I'll call myself that, sure. Do you know what John Lucas screams of? Romeo Cornell. Jack Easterby. Okay, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. So, for people who don't know who Jack Easterby is, Jack Easterby has this, like, weird position within the organization. He has an official title, but anytime somebody talks about Jack Easterby, every you can't get a straight answer. Like, what is he? He reports closely to Cal McNair and worked closely with, uh, I was about to say Mike D'Antoni, with Bill O'Brien. So bringing it back to the Rockets, John Lucas reminds me of that. Like, he's in charge of player development, but is he an assistant coach? Is he a coach? Is he a director of player development? Only? I think he's just a member of the team. Okay. Because to me, if the Rockets hire – The Rockets need to clear out any attachment they had to Mike D'Antoni. Because I've long since thought this. What what are your thoughts on the coaching staff that Mike D'Antoni had, his assistants? Were you high on his assistants for the past four years? And I ask you, for me, I I, I always looked at him and I was like, what do they do? I thought that they did good jobs as assistants. Right. I thought that Jeff Zellick was good at developing the defense, a good, you know, defensive coordinator, especially in 2018. And I thought Elston Turner did a really good job with the defense this year. But also at the same time, if you asked, you know, would do I see any of them as a potential head coach? You know, I, I think it's worth considering them. But I don't think that the any like I wouldn't trust any of them and say you know what you are an upgrade from Mike D'Antoni. Exactly, that's my point. Right. Now, so he couldn't assemble good coaching staffs. It was always. No, I think he did. I think he did. He yeah. 
he assembled what the thing is he assembled good people he put good people around him he put the he put good people around him but if you're at, but the thing is the difference between head coach and player development director are two very different things and while John Lucas does have coaching experience you know it's been nearly you know 20 years since he's been in that position granted he also keep in mind not very good track record as a head coach previously but I I have a feeling that if John Lucas hired, it's because it shows a sign of good faith in the job that D'Antoni did. But also at the same time, Mike D'Antoni's gone. That chapter of the Rockets organization is over. You don't need to back that up. You don't need to prove that. that it didn't work. We need to move on. It's okay to move on. Right. I know that it brought you a lot of success. He's the most successful head coach other than Rudy T in the in the franchise's organization or in the franchise's history, excuse me. But it's time to move on. And yeah. that's, you know, something that I don't know if if Daryl Morey and uh Tillman Fertitta have come to terms with. I, I hope that they have. I don't, I don't think John Lucas will be the next head coach. I think that he would like to be, I think, you know, at his, at his stage, at this stage in his career, he'll be 67 when next season starts. It, it's more of a, okay, let, let's put a bow on this. Um, but at this point, we need more than just the moral stuff. We need someone that is going to get the job done. Right. And... The sign of good faith is beautiful. It's great. It's it's nice. It's cute. It's not what the Rockets need. Yeah. The what scares me the most about Lucas is how close he is. I know that sounds weird, but his his relationship already with Harden and Westbrook. You need somebody that's going to at least challenge the mindset of yes, Russell Westbrook and exactly. James. Exactly. And and John Lucas simply won't do that. I do think he's a very valuable piece of the organization. But the more I thought about John Lucas, the more that Jack Easterby just kept screaming out at me. Like, I don't know. His role is a little bit murky to me. And that's why I think if the Rockets were to move on from John Lucas being a part of the, the coaching staff or the director of player development, while I think it, they would, he would be missed, I do think it would almost be a necessary just to have a clean start. If the news came out about John Lucas being the next head coach on a scale of one to 10 excitement, what would your excitement level be? What it would do is it would confirm that the team is still very committed to its current um, structure, which is small ball. This is what that would do. It would be a double down to small ball because John Lucas served on a staff that was about the small ball life and you know i'm not ready to 100 percent give up on small ball i do think it needs a little bit of tweaking i do think it needs a little bit of let's uh reassessment in the lab over the off season but i do think that it can work now you know i I do think that it, it is potentially the right way to go for the rockets but 
it does need some tweaking, whether that it has to do with the personnel, whether it has to do with the architect, whether it has to do with, you know, or maybe it just, maybe they just need to revert a little bit to a more traditional style. But the hiring of John Lucas will double down on the idea that small ball is the way for the Rockets to win a championship. And you know what? The small ball Rockets will are an entertaining team. So I'll be entertained, uh, but I don't know if a title will be in their future. Okay. So I think we've I think we've run our course on John Lucas, but let's move on to our final candidate for this episode uh, that we'll discuss, and that's Ty Lue. So obviously Ty Lue, look, he's going to be a top candidate for every single um, opening for a position until he fills one, whether that is, and to be honest, it, it looks very likely that he's going to fill one of the four vacancies still left. And that's either Houston, New Orleans, Indiana, or his current uh, team, the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think Ty Lue gets a lot of credit for winning the 2016 title. And I think that's why he stays on head coaching radars and he will be a head coach again someday. He's only 43 years old. He's got a long coaching career ahead of him and he is a very good coach. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, he's, you know, led three teams to the NBA finals. I think that is something that we don't exactly give him a lot of credit for. Yes. He had LeBron. Yes. You know, he had the Eastern conference to go through. But he still led three teams to the NBA Finals, and I think that he deserves – and that's why he is such a valuable coaching candidate. And he's only been in the Clippers uh, staff for this season. So let me ask you this. What, what excites you about Ty Lue, Mike? Okay, great question. Real quick, does the four like, teams that still have to hire a coach – does it not remind you of the scene in the office where they all have like their handguns out and they're like trying to figure out like who's going to shoot each other? You know that scene I'm talking about? Yes, yes, with okay. Dwight, Jim, and, and Mike. And Pam is there too. And she's mm-hmm. like, and Jim's like, I'm ready to go home. And Pam's like, go start the car. Like, that's what it feels like with these teams right now. I, the, the fact that nobody's hiring a candidate, it almost feels like everybody's looking at each other, like who's going to be the first one to hire somebody. Yeah, because well, I think it's going to start a domino effect. Exactly, and the thing when it, it all changed when Doc Rivers was let go because that puts the Clippers as the team who's next to push the domino, despite them being the last to join the party. And I think if if the Clippers really wanted Lou, he would be their head coach by now. I think. So that makes me think that they don't really want Lou. I think the only job that really makes sense for Ty Lue is the Rockets or the Pelicans. I don't know if Indiana makes a lot of sense for Ty Lue. Yeah, in, in, I, in a way, Indiana is kind of on their own island. I yeah. think, you know, they might be interested in Mike D'Antoni, but also they are the only team that's interested in Mike D'Antoni. I feel like out of the teams that are left so i guess the the pacers are kind of on their own you know beat they are interviewing like chauncey billups they're interviewing uh 
Dave Yeager, Mike D'Antoni. So, like, the, the candidates they are interviewing, they're looking to hire a very different coach than any of the three teams in the West are. So, right. if we look at the three teams in the West, though, um, you know, when Doc Rivers left, it was like, okay, um, now the Clippers hold most of the cards because the Clippers can easily woo Sam Cassell or Ty Lue. I think they're like they're more likely to hire Ty Lue because he was the lead assistant mm-hmm. than Sam Cassell. But like you said, if Ty Lue takes the Pelicans job, then it likely puts Sam Cassell in position to get the Clippers job. And then that puts the Rockets to take, you know, one of the other options that they have, whether it be Atkinson or John Lucas or any of the other four that we're going to discuss on our episode coming out on Monday. So you you asked, I mean, they also have Jeff Van Gundy. So so that's the one other common candidate in between the Lake, the Clippers and the Rockets that, that uh, overlaps. But yeah, Ty Lue, you asked me the question about Ty Lue, championship pedigree jumps to the top. Yes. Point guard in the league, loved watching him play, tough minded. Uh, This is a tough one for me, Jeremy. Like, I don't know. I'm in the middle on Lue. I, I think it would be a good hire. First of all, I think he's going to want a lot of money, which I don't know how that's going to jive with the owner of the Rockets. I also think he's going to want a lot of power. <clears throat> which know. I think he'd get. Well, you typically get, but, you know, there was talks about him wanting, you know, final say over personnel decisions, which I don't think is going to jive with the general manager. Um, those are the two things that if he gets power hungry and he wants final say over the roster, that's the first thing. Number two, I think the money he's going to call, I mean, he's going to probably be the most, and to be fair, as he probably should, wouldn't you think he would be the most expensive hire on the open market right now? He's going to be more expensive than, than Cassell. He's going to be more expensive than, than, uh, John Lucas. And he's going to be more expensive than Kenny Atkinson. So of the four we've discussed tonight, it's not even going to be close. Ty Lue is going to be the most expensive. Uh, and is is Tillman prepared to pay that uh, to pay that bill? It's a great question. Um, I mean, of the four that we've talked about tonight, is is Lou your favorite of the four? I, to me, I'm. I feel very similar to Ty Lue than I do about Sam Cassell. The, the benefits that Lou provides are that he has head coaching experience um, versus Cassell, who doesn't. Um, Ty Lue, though, you know, I'm curious to see. And Ty Lue has experience coaching in high-pressure situations, and he was able to manage that in Cleveland. Now. I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit curious to see how Ty Lue would do in a non-LeBron setting and what he what he has in mind for the Rockets. I'm curious to see how he would change the Rockets um 
from what they were this past season into what they can become. Can he bring the best out of Russ? Can he bring the best out of James? Now, in Cleveland, did he do that with Kyrie? I'm not entirely, I don't believe so. I'm not entirely sure. But then again, Kyrie is such a different player, I feel, than any of our guys. So, I don't know. Like, to me, I wouldn't hate the hiring of Lou because he is—he knows what he's talking about. And I do think that the decision as to who becomes the next head coach is going to come down to, look, we're here. We're trying to get there. How can you get us from point A, the second round of the playoffs, to point B, an NBA championship, in two years? Because, to be honest, that is the most... that Because James is, James is two years left on his contract. And not to say that he won't sign an extension, but two years also for James Harden, that's probably going to be the end of his prime. If we're being totally honest. The best of his peak prime. So, two years the Rockets have. How can you get us from second round of the playoffs to championship in two years? Go. And whoever brings the, whoever makes the best pitch and whoever answers that question the best should get this job. And Cassell and Lou are both very similar to that. I think Lou has the edge with coaching in the finals, but Sam Cassell has the edge in that he would probably excite the fan base a little bit more. And I think that should matter at least a little bit because during the coronavirus pandemic, you, you know, the the excitement of the NBA has waned a little bit. And I think that hiring Cassell would kind of revitalize the, the, the fan base a little bit, which I do think you need, especially considering the exit that you made this past season. So... Cassell and Lou, in my opinion, are both very, very much the same. I, I prefer Cassell because I think that I like the freshness there. Um, plus, I also think that Ty Lou is going to end up taking the Clippers job, um, and that would free Cassell to take the Rockets job. Um, out of the four tonight, I think Cassell is the most likely of the four that we discussed tonight, with Lou a close second. And then Atkinson third, and then John Lucas fourth. But also, we have four more candidates to discuss in our next episode, and I think that any of those uh, could rival uh, Cassell and Lou uh, just you know just as much. I feel absolutely. So I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Harden My Take. Be sure not to miss a single episode by downloading our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode throughout the offseason. We are going to throw episodes at you, our listeners, our devoted listener fan base, every Monday and Thursday throughout the NBA offseason. So be sure to uh, give us a listen every Monday and Thursday throughout the offseason. You can also check us out on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN. Give us a like on Facebook if you're over there. And follow our content throughout the offseason by heading to thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets, on SBNation.com. Please 
do yourself a favor. Go follow my co-pilot, Mr. Michael Brown, on Twitter at UH Big Red Hat Guy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And until next time, go Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.